0: Welcome to Awakening Today. This is our twice-a-week resource to accompany your Bible reading plan, which is available on our website awakeningchurch.com. This is the School of Faith podcast, a ministry of Awakening Church, and we're so glad you're with with us, reading the Bible every week as we explore the wisdom literature. This week, we're, we've read First Corinthians one through four and John five through six. And you might be saying, that's not the wisdom literature. Well, we've made our way out of the Old Testament wisdom literature. And for these final two weeks, we're going to see a New Testament perspective on the wisdom literature. And we're going to look at how it is informed deeply and richly by what you've read in the Old Testament. So we're glad you're with us and welcome. So 1 Corinthians 1 through 4 and John 5 and 6. What do these passages have to say to us about the wisdom literature? And what do these passages perhaps have to owe themselves to the wisdom literature? Well, last week we, we said that God prizes wisdom because wisdom saves. In other words, the reason God loves wisdom and wants you to live a wise life is because it will save your life. Wisdom is not to be pursued because it's a good thing or pursued because it makes you more religious. Wisdom is to be pursued because it saves your life. And I only hinted at this, but last week I briefly said the reason that we can say wisdom saves is because we can say Jesus saves. And in one of the passages you studied this week, 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 in particular, You hear Paul call Jesus, quote, the power and wisdom of God. And it was in Christ that God made the wisdom of this world appear foolish and his wisdom to appear superior. And what Paul is saying in this passage is powerful. He's saying that the way that God views wisdom is different. Look back at 1 Corinthians 1. You studied it or read it this week. Starting in verse 18, Paul says this, For the word of the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is The one who is wise, where is the scribe, where is the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? Verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This might be one of my more favorite passages in all of Scripture. There's something here that... I deeply resonate with. It's God's ability to use something that seems ridiculous and make it the most wise thing. A lot of scripture is like this. A lot of the commands seem arduous. A lot of the theology seems esoteric. A lot of the commands seem countercultural. And what God is showing in Christ is that the pathway to salvation is unlike anything you will know. But that's the pathway to life. The pathway to life is different than what you would know. The pathway to salvation is different than what you would expect. The pathway to wisdom is different than what you would expect. Remember in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, when you read, this famous proverb, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. We talked about that on Sundays as we went through the relational intelligence series and we read it several times because the Proverbs actually repeat that proverb several times. You see, we have a certain way we think things should go and we have a certain way we think would provide us salvation, a pathway to life. But God says, The way you think things will go will end in your demise. And to listen to me and to heed my word will lead to your salvation. And this is exactly what Christ on the cross exemplifies. Uh, This is the pinnacle of God's wisdom seen as foolishness to the world, which is why he was crucified. He was crucified because people thought he could not possibly be the Messiah. He could not possibly be the one and way of salvation. And yet, if we study the Proverbs and we see the wisdom literature for what it is, we actually see Christ because we see there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end leads in death. Think about that. A way that seems right to a man, but the end leads in death. You see, was seemingly right for the religious leaders it was the way that seemed right to the religious leaders to crucify jesus and that right way they thought they were so certain ended in the death of god ended in the death of jesus christ and yet jesus christ does not stay in the grave but shows the wisdom of this world to crucify christ to be the most foolish act ever. You see, God made the foolishness of this world to be ashamed. This is what Paul means when he says, back in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 20, Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. The world did not know God through its own wisdom, and so God came in the foolishness of the cross to show it to be the wisdom of God. You see, as I reflect on the wisdom of God and the foolishness of the world, it makes me think that God's wisdom often fails our expectations while simultaneously meeting our needs. Let me say that again. God's wisdom often fails our expectations while simultaneously meeting our needs. Fails our expectations. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. But simultaneously, just as God fails our expectations of what he should be, we become um, satisfied with our needs being met. Jesus is the picture of this. He's not the king we wanted. He's the king we needed. Likewise, God will provide for us in his own time, our own needs. But it may not look anything like we expect. And so, friend, do you believe that God could fail your expectations and simultaneously meet your needs. It's what he's done on the cross. Our expectation was for a king, someone riding on a horse leading an army, gathering the troops, redefining politics. But Christ came on a donkey and did not take lives, but laid his own life down for the sake of others. And so my friends, where is God failing to meet your expectations? And could you be, through wisdom, re-examining that so that you might simultaneously see your needs being met right as your expectations are falling? And may God's grace and peace and wisdom be with you through these difficult days. We love you guys.